Thank you for joining the Bevel Talk, Season 11, Episode 2, Deep Water Horizon, Tragedy and Crisis. Today, we're talking with special guest Jason Elliott from Elliott Welding Solutions. Let's get right into it. Hello, and welcome to Bevel Talk. Thanks for joining us. Once again, we're joined by Jason Elliott of Elliott Welding Solutions. Jason, thanks for being with us. How you doing? Good, Danny. Thank you very much. So, I've had a chance to talk with you, get to know you a little bit more. You've had some really interesting experiences in, especially down in South Texas in the oil and gas industry. One in particular I'd like to talk about is your experience with the Deepwater Horizon um, failure and and overcoming that challenge. Okay. Well, um, back in 2010, when Deepwater the tragedy on Deepwater Horizon happened. BP came to us. We were one of BP's go-tos for making drilling risers, production risers, and specialty joints. They came to us with a just a small little file saying, we need a couple things built to help stop this oil leak. And so we started working on that. And once we started working on it, things kind of changed as everything went. And when I say that is, is they had a couple other companies working on different things at the same time, hoping that they could stop the oil leak. So we were making a couple of different pieces and uh, pieces of equipment and different things to go help. And they kept trying to cap where the pipe had broke off right up there at the bottom of the, of the ocean. So on the ocean floor. So what happened was, is, is, that first weekend, we had started building a couple of products that they had asked us to. They came up with drawings. Well, that changed in a matter of a few days. So they had already tried to cap it once, and the pressure was so strong that it kept blowing that cap off. So they had to find a way to relieve that pressure to be able to cap it and be able to slow this down before they were able to kill the well. So within a few days, BP come back and said, Here's your scope. We've changed your scope now from just a couple of pieces now to we need help. We've got to find a way to stop this. Well, the year before, we, the company I was working for, RTI Energy Systems, the engineers had came up with a concept, which was a freestanding riser system, which that freestanding riser system was just a concept. And they asked, how quickly can we make this concept into a reality? Because they knew it would work. Everybody knew it would work. It was just a totally different way of running production risers. So it had a mud suction at the bottom going into the ocean floor. And then on the top, it had a buoy that hooked up to the top to keep everything straight. And that buoy set a little over 300 foot from the ocean surface. And once you get below 300 foot, you really don't have any currents. So that helped keep everything straight. So what they had done is ask us, can we make that a reality? So we did. So we went from, I would say, close to 100 employees in five, six shops to probably 200 employees in a matter of a few days. I ended up hiring uh, some welders that we had had for a project that we were doing for Shell. And we had just laid them off. We ended up calling them back. This was within a couple of days of this happening. And so we brought them in and 
we all started working on this and BP brought in a company from Australia, which was an engineering firm that came in and helped draw up prints and everything as we went. Uh, Shell Anadarko, they came up to us and said, look, if BP needs any kind of equipment, any kind of forgings, any kind of pipe that we have at your facility, give it to them. So it became a joint effort between a lot of companies, uh, not just RTI. We ended up having FMC, Weatherford, a lot of companies like that here in Houston that actually sent people over to help with the assembly, the testing of all of this equipment that we were building as we went. And so we grew very fast. I think I hired 60 welders on a Sunday and had them come in and we started working and BP paid for us to have lunch, dinner, had people coming in that was catered. And so we had a big clad shop that was AC'd and being in the middle of the summer, like it was, it was just very hot. So we kept the clad shop where we did all our uh, corrosion resistant overlay. It was an AC shop. We went ahead and put tables in there and then the caterers would come in and fix lunch or dinner, whatever it was. And they were cooking 24 hours around the clock. And every day they had a new caterer come in. And if you were working and you just got tired and you needed something to eat, you could just take some time, go in there, cool down, get something to eat. So it went very fast and very quick because we were not holding anybody to a time clock. We weren't holding anybody to this is the hours you have to work. It was whatever we could do as fast as we could do it. So we had basically to take a concept to a reality really quickly, which that usually takes nine to 12 months. We had, we didn't have the time to wait nine to 12 months. We actually did it in less than three months. So what we did, our engineers would look at the forgings and everything we had on the ground, talk to other companies around that have forgings on the ground that we didn't have to wait on, brought them in, started engineering and drawing up prints for each forging to make it. And so we started doing a lot of these small pieces. Well, the production riser, we had just finished BP Mad Dog, which was uh, phase two. And all that pipe was sitting there on the ground at RTI. I had a uh, box and pin connectors on it, ready to be shipped. Well, BP said, let's use that pipe as our full production riser pipe. And then we'll build the upper end and the lower end. So the way it was concepted was the cap went on top of the pipe and there was two lines coming out of that cap. And that had a flex line that went over to the freestanding riser and went all the way up to the upper joint or the upper valves and everything. And then it had another flex line that had a GPS on it that they would have two barges come in and they would take that flex line and put it in the barge, open up the valves, and they would be pumping in oil into the barges. So there was always oil pumping between one of the two risers. That helped take that pressure off of the cap and ended up allowing them to control what was being leaked out into the ocean, which it was a very good concept. And now that concept is actually sitting in Louisiana in case something like that ever happens again. But getting back to it, we RTI had one of the largest machine shops in Houston. 
had long bed lays, HBMs, VTLs. And so we were machining, we were welding, we were testing, we were assembling everything every day as fast as we could go. I mean, there was days that as much as you hate to say it, there was days you did well over your 12 hour shift. I mean, there was some days that because I was running basically or helping run all the shops, we didn't have a general manager at the time. So I was kind of taking lead on that. The president of the company was helping. We had another uh, salesman slash engineer that was helping. I mean, it was a joint effort. Everybody in Houston that could help was coming up and helping and doing everything that we could. And this, it, it was a great project besides the tragedy. It was something to be proud of and be a part of, but it's sad that a tragedy had to happen for us to be a part of that, but it's something I'll never forget. They actually had film crews in there filming everything that we were doing. We were welding 24 hours a day and seven days a week. And so for three months, you, you worked as much as you could. And that was the, one of the things that we asked all our welders was go as long as you feel comfortable that you feel safe, then go home and get some sleep. And whenever you come back, come on back. So we weren't holding anybody to, you got to punch in at this time. You got to punch out at this time. It was whatever we could do. And it was a joint effort between everybody. So everything was done and tested, you know, to meet every spec that you could and make sure there was no issues. Uh, the testing pressures were, were done to what the pressure was coming out of the pipe. You know, it was one and a half times that to make sure that would it would pass. But we're talking some weldments, and this was all on 4130, 8630, A707. These were very high strength, as we were talking in uh, the last section, of uh, high strength, one and a quarter, two and a quarter chrome uh, forgings, uh, different pipe and stuff like that. So it was really something to be proud of when it was built because it did work. I think I met more governors and senators that had flown in wanting to see how this was coming along, how we were going to stop it, how it was. And watching how everybody was involved, it wasn't just the welding industry and fabrication shop and machine shop. It even got into the senators and governors making sure that when any of this equipment left our facility to go to Homa, Louisiana, it had an escort. And the truck driver I was talking to, he was from Houston, and he said, I've never drove that far that quick. And he had a police escort all the way from Spring, Texas, all the way to uh, Louisiana. And once he crossed over the border at Louisiana, the Louisiana State Highway Patrol picked up and gave him a full escort there and literally never went below 80 miles per hour. He said once he hit the highway, he was gone. He hit the freeway, he was gone. And it was really a, a cool deal because it wasn't just a few of us getting involved. It was everybody. And the the weldments that we had to do was very critical. They were very, very well tested. They had to meet some of the tightest criteria because we didn't need something else failing out there. We had uh, BP officials 
sitting there watching over everything. We had third-party inspectors watching everything. We had uh, representatives from everywhere, all a part of it. So it was really a cool opportunity. Like I said, it's sad to say that a tragedy happened to be a part of that opportunity, but it was something that you'll always be able to hang your hat on for seeing how it was done. Take charge of your field preheat and bakeout applications using induction heating with the new ArcReach heater. Providing up to 600 degrees Fahrenheit, it's part of the ArcReach technology platform as an accessory for select ArcReach power sources. Learn more about induction heating benefits and the new ArcReach heater at millerwelds.com slash ArcReach heater. What's interesting to me or... I don't even think interesting is the right word as an outsider looking in, you know, I remember it's, it's hard to believe it's been, you know, 10 years, but I remember seeing on the news and hearing about people doing things and companies coming together, but hearing it from somebody that lived it firsthand is just quite amazing. You know, these companies are, are bitter rivals and warriors when it comes to business. But when, when somebody was in need and not just a company, but, the entire region was in need. Everybody really pulled together in crisis management and said, all right, these are the things that we can do. We'll do that. These are the things that they can do. They do that. And we, you know, pulling the timeline from nine to 12 months down to three months and having it be tested and work is, is an amazing thing. There's, there's no doubt about that. It is, it is Danny. And that's one of the things that was so cool because when this first started, we sat down with BP we sat down with Anadarko, Shell, Chevron, everybody that we were doing projects for. And every one of them said, look, whatever BP needs, you give it to them. If it's a forging of ours, if it's any piece of equipment, we will purchase something later. But we need to help them get out of this situation and stop this. And so they all worked together to make it happen. And it was just really a cool, a cool feeling. It made you feel really good about the companies made you feel really good about the industry, how it all came together when there was a tragedy that struck. And I think that's indicative of, of welders in general, right? We're all very competitive lot. We, we like to be the best at what we do. We're, we're not afraid to try work hard and try to show up the next guy in line. But when, when the next guy in line needs something, you're, you're the welders going to be the first guy that's like, yep, here, Hey, I got a spare, I got a spare cable or I got a spare clamp. I got yeah, let's get it going because at the end of the day, you're just trying to get a job done. Correct. Correct. Yeah. It's just amazing. And every time I, I every time you, I hear you tell that story or I think about that story, it just. It, you know, and for me, I would come home, I'd, I'd work probably 12, 14, 16 hours. I'd come home and sit down and eat and my phone would ring and my wife would look at me and says, I'll see you tomorrow. I'd have to turn around and go right back to the uh, back to the office or the shop to help with whatever we needed. And there was uh, quite a few times that I spent 24, 36 hours up there without being able to go home because of what we were doing and how we were trying to get it done. And yes, that's very difficult whenever you're trying to meet all the regulations of everything and you know, you don't want people there because now accidents can happen. We actually did that whole project without one accident happening. Wow. And that was something for all the guys that we had and the way we had our shop set up that it was very safe. 
And we even had areas for guys, if they wanted to go lay down and get them a couple hours of sleep, they could go in and have a cot to sleep on and do that and then go right back to work if they needed to. We wanted everybody to be safe through this whole project to make sure that it was done on in a timely manner. Well, that's just a testament to, to all the companies involved that you're able to to adapt and overcome in, in so many different ways. That's, that's an amazing, an amazing story. It, it really was. And, you know, after it was all said and done, that last joint left uh, a couple of days later, you know, we, we really took it easy for about a week, letting everybody, you know, catch their breath, do basically eight hour days, just relaxing. And then they had a big, I don't know what you'd even call it, not a banquet, but, you know, where it was a big luncheon, they came in, BP set up in front of us and tell them, telling us how appreciative it was and what we could do and what we've done and very thankful for everybody's help and what we did. And once they got everything assembled out there, then all they were doing was waiting on the presidential side of it to say kill the well, because I know that the the bit was about 10 to 12 feet from killing that well for a day or two while they analyzed, did analysis on everything to make sure they were ready to kill it. And it was pumping oil up into the barges for uh, quite a few days and getting everything ready. Wow. Wow. Thank you for sharing that with us, Jason. And thanks to all of our listeners for, for joining with us. We appreciate it. Hope you come back and join us next time as we talk to Jason a little bit more.